morning, church. Uh, let me just tell you right now, it's, it's really good to be here. Uh, I was basically put last night into first grade prison of sorts. Uh, my, my eldest, who is six years old, mind you, uh, was up at 11 p.m. And so I, I, I had to put my foot down and I told her, get to bed. Uh, lo and behold, there was a sign on the door with a frowny face. I assumed it was me, I'm not sure. Uh, and and it, it said, no dads allowed. So, <laughs> so I, was, I was put into first grade lockout. But as, as I've come to learn, even in my own experience, sometimes when you think you know what's best, uh, you often realize you don't. And so here was my six-year-old at 3 a.m. in the morning, snowing, and then she got up and she went into our bed. I, I was up, you know, doing some reading and stuff. And so she got up this morning just around 8.15. Uh, she saw me there and she was like, hey, daddy, good morning, with a smile on her face. And I asked her, uh, are you well rested? She said, yeah. I was like, all right. <laughs> Hopefully you know next time, you know, just to go in your bed a little bit earlier. So I'm just grateful to be here in the free world uh, and, and, and not, <laughs> not to be locked away. Uh, I could do that now while she's in WOW. Uh, as they get older, uh, I won't share as many of these stories in their presence. But it's, it's a joy and a blessing to be here. I, I just want to take the opportunity to, to just say welcome if you are a visitor here with us in person. And online, I just want to take the opportunity to welcome you. Uh, you are our honored guest, and I pray that your stay here uh, would be nothing short of spectacular. Uh, and let me just make this, this disclaimer. I learned this some years ago from a brother now deceased, Brother Darrell D. Holt, preacher for the Figueroa Church of Christ. Uh, he would often say uh, to the visitors, uh, if anyone here does not treat you with kindness, just conclude that they are not members of the Antioch Church of Christ. So, so <laughs> I just want to say to our visitors on this morning, if someone here does not treat you with kindness, just conclude that they are not members of the Antioch Church of Christ. I want to beg your attention into the book of Matthew chapter 11. We will stay in this text, just uh, three verses. It's a pretty familiar text to most uh, if not all. This, this is for all intents and purposes uh, the formal plea, the formal invitation that Jesus would extend that Matthew at least records uh, in his ministry. I say formal because this is probably the first time outside of Jesus calling those specific 12. This would be probably the first time and the only time we see him make a, a, a clear and distinct call to come. And so in verse number 28, Matthew would record the very words of Jesus as saying, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, he says, and my burden is light. In this text, Jesus is recorded as making a formal plea to the multitude. 
he has already sent out the 12 in the prior chapter but but here matthew records jesus's very own word of mouth invitation it is one thing to for, to receive an invitation via the mouth of a prospective messenger someone who was sent by someone else but it's something else to receive the exact same invitation by the individual who is hosting the event uh, think about if you would uh, a, a, a marriage ceremony and an invitation is being sent it's one thing and we appreciate invitations that come in the mail because you know it's 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 good we we get this invitation and we have the bride and the groom the bride to be and the groom uh, that would extend an invitation to us personally or to our families and we accept it we appreciate it but but we would conclude that it feels a little bit more special when the bride and the groom-to-be, they come to your house and they knock on the door and they have an invitation in hand, but more so specifically, they, they say to you, Wilson, we are honored, we would be honored if, if you would take the opportunity to be present at our special day. It, it, just, it just does something. It, it almost comes across as, as if you are priority in the, in the line uh, or the list of individuals that they have to come. And so in the very first instance, you, you, may not, you may feel the need to show up out of obligation, maybe because you know the individuals, but in the second instance where you receive the invitation personally, you, you feel a joy, you feel a pull, you feel a connection, and so you are drawn in your compelling nature to accept the invitation that is at hand. I think the same is true for what's happening in this particular text. Prior to chapter 11, Matthew records the events of the previous chapter where Jesus sends out the 12 to the Jewish people and cities. He would tell them not to go into the way of the Gentiles nor enter into the city of the Samaritans. In other words, he wants them to go to a specific crowd or a specific target group. Of course, you've heard me express in, in times gone by that he would later on, by, by the end, coming down to the end of his ministry, uh, as he's getting ready to leave this earth, he would extend this invitation to all of creation. And so now he takes the occasion to speak to the Jews, he takes the occasion to speak to the people of God, those who were under the umbrella of the nation of Israel, Jesus in this text says, come. Let it be known that as we are about to engage in this particular text, the text doesn't lose its power as a call to everyone simply on the basis of the fact that he makes this call to a predominant Jewish audience here specifically in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 through 30. However, I want to look for a bit this morning of the value of the plea contextually to, to the people that he is addressing to this end that it gives us who are God-fearers, it gives us who are followers of Jesus Christ, it gives us hope. As we consider this morning a lesson I've entitled, Come to Me, Come to Me. I, I took note this morning that uh, my normal Sunday morning front pew, front pew isn't here. Uh, 
maybe I, I scare them off, but, it, but the truth is they just transferred from one pew to the next. So, so I see you, David. I'll get to you in a little bit. <laughs> but what I want us to see in, in this brief exhortation on this morning is these three items that are found within the confines of this text. I want us to see, number one, the call. Secondly, I want us to see the commission. But thirdly, I want us to see the compensation. Let me repeat that one more time. I want us to see the call. Say the call. call. I want us to see the commission. Say commission. But I also want us to see the compensation. Say compensation. That, that's a whole lot of syllables in there. And so as we think about what's happening in this particular text, first and foremost, I want us to recognize that there is a call that Jesus makes. And, and again, I want us to appreciate, uh, appreciate the context. Because while I am saying we can use this verse, it's, it's a verse that, that doesn't lose its meaning if we were to use it in the broadest sense possible, where Jesus says, come unto me all, everyone, Jew and Gentile. But I want us to keep this in context just for a little bit. Because in context, Jesus is not speaking to the Gentiles as yet. In context, he is speaking to those who are predominantly of a Jewish background. He is speaking to those who uh, uh, have been looking out for the Messiah. He is speaking to those who are members of the nation of Israel and they are broken. They uh, have been downtrodden. They have been castigated. They have been frowned upon and they have been looked over and they have been pushed aside. He is speaking to Jews. He is speaking to people of God who are going through in their life some very difficult times physically emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually. So I think as we look at the context of this verse, it, it says something for us as people of God, because even as the people of God, even as Christians, even as disciples of Christ, I believe Jesus still says to us, come. At times we might feel like if because we would have taken the step uh, to go into the watery grave of baptism, that we would be fine and we would be okay. But Jesus extends this invitation to, the, to his people to say, come, come to me and I will give you renewal. Come to me and I will recharge your batteries. Come to me and I'll refresh your perspective. Come to me and I will give you, he says, rest. Too many times maybe in the walk of the people of God, we find ourselves trying to walk on our own strength. But you and I will testify to the fact, we will testify to the fact that every time we try to do it on our own, we didn't have the strength to meet the designated end. So God says to his people, God says to us, church, come. Keep coming over and over and over and over again, come to me is the plea and the call that he makes. So Jesus in this particular verse, he, he sets himself up as the one to whom the Jews should run to. The Jews who were looking out for the Messiah, the Jews who have been frustrated, the, the, the Jews who, who, who in this particular instance notice contextually even that this comes off of the heels, his statement here comes off of the heels of John the Baptist sending two of his disciples to confirm while he was in prison if Jesus really was in fact the one that we, they were expecting to come. 
And so Jesus, after telling the disciples, go and tell John what you have seen and what you have heard. Go and tell John that the blind have received their sight. Go and tell John that the lame have been made to walk. Go and tell John that the dumb have been made to talk. Go and tell John that the deaf have been made to hear. Go and tell John that those who were dead have been given life. Again, go and tell John that the poor have been preached to. He says, go and tell John that I am he. So this comes off of the heels of, of Jesus confirming to these disciples. And, and hopefully it would have confirmed to John that Jesus was in fact the Messiah that was to come. So now we have a, a multitude of, of Jewish people who have been following Jesus. They have seen the miracles. They have seen the signs. They have seen the wonders. Some of them are following Jesus only to get something out of Jesus. But Jesus says to them, I am the one that you have been looking for. You are in the presence of the one you have been praying for. Come to me. So in his call, Jesus sets himself up as the one to, to come to. And, and it's interesting, before I move on to the next point really quickly, it's interesting because there are different ways in which uh, masters or rabbis would have, would, have, would have done this, maybe depending on, on where you were, right? Geographically speaking and depending on, 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 on your people group. Oftentimes, when you had a master or a rabbi, the potential disciple, their family would go seeking out the rabbi. But because of the relationship that would exist between master or rabbi and disciple, as a disciple, you had to be willing to come, to come with something in order to, 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 to bring to this relationship that you wanted to have with your master. So in other words, in, 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 in some cultures, what would have happened was that the disciples would have been the one to go and seek out food to feed the master. The, the disciple would be the one to house the master. The, the disciples would be the one to take care of the master's physical needs. All the while, the master is teaching the disciples his teachings. And so in some cultures, you, you would find that these masters or these rabbis and these teachers, they would be the recipients of, 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 of all the basic necessity and needs that a human being would have by their own disciples. So a disciple, depending on your culture and your background, a disciple couldn't be poor. Because if you were poor, you generally would not have had the ability to support your master. You guys with me? And so generally, those individuals who were deemed disciples or who became disciples, depending on the culture again, depending on the culture, had to have the ability to support their potential rabbi. So I want you to understand that in, in Jesus' context, as Jesus stands now, you could almost see him on a pinnacle of sorts. And he's not really on a pinnacle, but, but you could almost see him as he stretch, stretches his hand out and he makes the call they may have come seeking him out, but he is saying, come to me and I will give. In other words, while yes, I'm saying that you are going to have to come and while yes, you are going to have to give some things and, and do some things, you coming to me is not dependent on what you have other than giving me your submission. 
other than giving me your heart. In other words, you don't have to have money in the bank in order for you to come to Jesus. You don't have to have a house in order to come to Jesus. You don't need to be able to take care of Jesus' physical needs. He says, you come and I'll take care of your needs. So when Jesus says, come unto me, he's already making a clear distinction that I am the true master. I am the real teacher. I am the great I am. I sustain you. You don't sustain you guys with me. Sometimes we, we want to believe that, that, that the power of Jesus is dependent on the strength of our prayer. But I want us to understand we are told to pray in faith. But whether or not we pray or not, it doesn't diminish God's power to answer the prayer. And so here it is. Jesus sets himself up. He says, come to me. That's the call. Come to me. All you, check this, who labor. Not only all you who labor, but those who are heavy laden. Thomas, you have your, your mic? Grab for me Matthew, Matthew chapter 15. I'm going to get to Matthew 15 in a bit. So Jesus says, come. That's the call. Say, come. That's the call. He says, come unto me. Check this. All who labor. Say, labor. And a heavy burden. Say burden. So you could look at this in two ways. You could look at this as he is speaking to different groups. All those who labor. That word labor there means you have been working yourself to the bone and you are tired. You are weary of work. You, you are... You, you are you, it, you're one straw away from breaking the proverbial camel's back. I know I have some teachers here that are about to go in uh, to the semester. So I don't want to break your spirits. Go into the semester with high spirits. But you could, you could let us know, teachers, that, that as the semester goes on and uh, as the work piles up and as you, you go from, from the beginning of the semester to the, to the middle, we're going to go into fall, so we're going to have fall break, and then you get closer to the end of the semester, there is a time, if it is you are extended beyond your norm, there is a time where you feel wearied and tired and physically, emotionally, and mentally stressed. You might be the type of worker that, that goes from job to job and you're going from paycheck to paycheck. You, you literally uh, earn your keep, literally, by, by, by taking several hours uh, after you have labored already for your eight, ten hours in the day. So you work overtime and, and you do all that kind of stuff. So you're working, work tires you out. So he's saying to them, come unto me, all you that have been working. But this idea of, 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 of wearied is not only in a physical sense. The idea of labor or wearied or make faint here is also you, you've been looking for so long that you're almost ready to give up looking. Think of what's happening with John in the context here. John has been in prison. John was the one that was preaching, the one that was to come after him. You would even conclude that John would say, the one who would come after me, he is preferred before me. I'm not even worthy to, to untie his, his sandals, his, his shoelaces. So John 
would have preached early in his ministry that Jesus was in fact the Messiah. He was the Lamb. John would conclude, John 1, uh, chapter 1 and verse number 29, who takes away the sin of the world. But now John is in a predicament where he's in prison and he's questioning in himself. And so you could see the weariness taking a toll on John where he sends the disciples and to ask the question, are you truly the one? Sometimes we become burdened with the physical things that the physical things begin to weigh in on us in our mental and emotional spaces. You guys with me? So you're going through something physical that, that's, that it begins to weigh in on you mentally and emotionally. Do you not notice that your moods change based on what's happening in your life at the moment physically? And so they were burdened physically. John was burdened physically to the extent where now he's affected emotionally and mentally. So Jesus says, come all you who labor, all you who are tired, all you who are under emotional distress, all you who are getting ready to give up or getting ready to give in and break down. He says, come all you who labor, but check this, and are heavy laden. This idea of heavy laden or burdened here gives a different context from, from, from handling physical or emotional weight and distress. This word burden here gives now a, a, a type of weight that comes from something that has been imposed on you. So look at, look at this. Go ahead and get for us uh, Matthew chapter 15, if you would, uh, Thomas. Read from verse number 1. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, mm -hmm. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? Go ahead. They don't wash their hands before they eat. Mm -hmm. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Mm -hmm. For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put Read. to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used for to help their father or mother is devoted to God, mm -hmm. they are not to honor their father or mother with Read, them. come on. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips. People honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. Their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. They worship me in vain. Their teachers are merely human rulers. Their teachers are merely human rulers. In vain, this is how the King James would put it. In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. The Pharisees and the scribes in the history of the Jewish nation created an issue. Whereas God had already given them specific commands of what it meant to worship him and to honor him as far as their daily living. God, under the law of Moses, gave them such specific commands as how to live in every single area of their life. If there was a problem or a potential problem, God gave them a divine solution. So check this. In this particular text, Jesus is taking, is, is, has strong contention with these scribes and Pharisees. 
Because throughout the history of the people, they have created a standard that is a man-made standard that they have lifted up as if to say this is the standard that God had set. So they had these traditions and there's nothing wrong, church, let me just put this in right here, there's nothing wrong with traditions is when you take a man-made tradition and lift it up as if it was the very word of God himself. So they were teaching for doctrine, they were preaching as teaching the commandments of men as if to say it was the very commandments of God. Why are you saying burdened now, brother? Because they have taken up this burden of these traditions and they have placed it on the people. The people are laden. They can't move. They are stressed because they are trying to live up to the standard of these people. But notice what Jesus says in the book of Luke chapter 11. I'm going to hurry. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 46, he said, Woe unto you also, you lawyers. For you laid men with burdens, grievous to be born, and you yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. In other words, you have set up these standards for, for the people to follow. It has become so burdensome to the people because they are trying to live up to your physical standards. They are trying to live up to your man-made traditions. But you yourselves, you are not living up to the standards that you are asking them to, to walk by and live up to. So he would say unto them, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Why is that? Because you are telling people how they ought to live. But when I look at your life, I don't see it that way. You talk to people a whole lot about purity. But when I look at your life and I, I see the words that you use, I see nothing but bitter gall. When I look at the life, you, you tell people you ought to live in love and showcase forgiveness and showcase mercy and showcase grace but when I look at your life and I see how you live and I look at your speech I see nothing but the opposite so he says come to me here's the call he says come to me all you who are tired all who are weary all those who have been placed uh, these expectations expectations will weigh you down and could kill you Trying to live up to people's expectations. Church, let, me, let, me, let me see if I could release us from this. Stop trying to live up to man-made expectations and live up to God's expectations. Because if you try to live up to men's expectations, you will get, you will get stressed, Thomas. They will stress you out. Because you, you're trying to live up to somebody else's expect. The best thing you could do as disciples of Jesus Christ is live up to God's expectations. So he says, come on to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. So that's the call. But here's the commission. In the commission, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. In other words, and I need to do this quick because I made, I made a covenant with God today. So there is the call. The call says, come. It's a come as you are type of a call. It's a don't worry what you have on and where you are in this life, mentally, emotionally, or otherwise. Don't worry about that. It's a you just step and come to me. So have you heard the statement, come as you are? 
Beautiful. Keep that in mind. So he says, come as you are. That's the call. Jesus calls every single human being. It does not matter your background. It does not matter your struggle. It does not matter your sin. It does not matter your history. Jesus says, come. I don't care what your past is. He says, come. I don't care what you think of yourself. He says, I don't even care what people think about you. He says, come. But in as much as he says, come, here's the commission. Because the same people that Jesus calls, he commissions. And he first appreciate this. He says, come as you are. But when you are blessed to submit to Jesus, you are never able truly to leave the exact same way. Paul came in as a murderer. Paul came in as a blasphemer. Some of us came in as liars. Some of us came in as adulterers. Some of us came in as fornicators. Some of us came in, you guys with me, as sinners. And so he says, come. But as you come, recognize that you are now going to be commissioned. So you come as you are. But when you encounter Jesus, you could never truly leave the same way that you came. So if you came to Jesus as, as a struggling alcoholic, your engagement with Jesus and your experience with Jesus, your submission to Jesus ought to lead you to become sober. Now it might take you some time, but you ought not to be the same person five years down the road than you were when you first came. You guys with me? So he says, come as you are. It might take some time. But if you get the commission and you accept the invitation, you'll be blessed with a transformation. That's a lot of Asian type of endings. It wasn't planned, but that was spirit-led. So he says, come. That's the call. But then he commissions. He says, take my yoke upon you. Check this and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. So there is a commission there. You are giving up one labor that is wearisome. You are giving up one labor that is taxing. You are giving one labor that, that allows you and, and drags you through the mud to endure a new labor that refreshes. A new labor that offers, offers life more than just this physical life, but life evermore. You take on a different type of stress. Ministry and Christianity could be stressful, but we have a peace that passes all understanding. You guys, that only comes by fully devoting yourself to Jesus Christ. That's why when we as Christians go through hardship and we start to sing songs like, All to Jesus I surrender and all to Him I freely give. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You just went through something that would shake somebody else but but you're singing I, I i love you lord and i lift my voice you are singing songs of praise even while you are going through the ashes of pain that's because you've been blessed by taking on the yoke that jesus offers finally and i told you i needed to be and finally not only do we see the call in this text not only do we have the commission? But here is what, and we, we love compensation, don't we? 
I, I don't know about you, but when I do some work, I, I like to be compensated for it. Let me show you what I mean. When I do something in the house, maybe it might be the dishes. I don't like to do dishes. You can talk to my wife. She'll tell you, I don't, I don't like to do dishes. When I do something in the house, and she comes and she says, babe, that looks good. Now I'm, now I'm feeling good. She didn't pay me to do it, but the compensation was, that looks good. When she makes these delicacies, that's what I'll call it, delicacies. Not just food, because food doesn't describe it. Not just a meal, because me, just the word meal doesn't describe it. It's a delicacy. You could close your eyes and picture a delicacy. It just looks good. It tastes good. You're, you're licking your lips right now, delicacy. When she makes these delicacies, part of the compensation is not just me moaning and groaning with delight. Mmm, this thing, mmm, mmm. But part of the compensation is me saying, that was mind-blowingly good. Of course, as a husband, a huge part of the compensation package would be to buy some shoes and some, some, some clothes and, you know, send her to a spa day or whatever the case might be. But the point is, we all appreciate good compensation. So Jesus offers a compensation package, one of the best compensation packages that you will ever encounter in your physical and eternal life. He says, come on to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I, check this, will give you rest. That word rest there, let me just deal with this and I'll be done, Thomas. I need to be done. That word rest has several shades or meanings that could go along with it. But let me do it this way. When you come to Jesus, Jesus says, if you come weary and you come tired and you come emotionally and otherwise stressed, when you come to me, there's a benefit of me giving you peace. I could give you rest right now in the midst of your storm. So you're going through some hardship in life that you think nobody else knows about, but he says, I know if you trust me, I'll give you a peace that will calm your inner storm. The storm doesn't stop raging. You don't stop living, but I'll give you a peace that allows you to walk on the water of your storm. You see how that works? So he says, if you come to me, there is a, there is a, a right now benefit. It may not change your circumstance. It doesn't stop the fact that you're still in the middle of, of a divorce. It doesn't stop the fact that you're still mourning the loss of a loved one. It doesn't stop the fact that you still have no money in the bank and you're getting ready to file for bankruptcy. But I, I, I have the ability, if you come to me right now, I have the ability to offer you a peace and a comfort and a strength that you would be able to stand in the midst of the madness. You guys with me? So it's a very present type of rest. But I also have the ability, if you did not know, I also have the ability to take off the burden because remember, some of us have been trying to live up to other people's expectations. He says, if you come to me and you learn of me, if you come to me and you learn from me, if you come to me and you learn my ways, he says, now your expectation is not going to try to live up to their expectation. Your expectation is going to be trying to live up to me. So I'll give you some rest. But finally, and I'm done, I like this rest. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. 
And he knows that his disciples are going to be in some agony and they are going to be in some pain. Let's all stand. I'm telling you, I'm done. He, he knows that. And so, so he says to them, this is John chapter 14, by the way, verses 1 through 3. He says to them, let not your heart be troubled. You guys know this? You know this verse? You, you know this verse? You think you could quote it with me? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. I know the King James says mansions, but it's rooms. In my, my father's house, there are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, that where I am, that where I am, there you may be also. In other words, I have given you the call. It's up to you if you accept. I'm going to give you a commission. You come however you come, but you don't leave the same way. But guess what? If you accept the call and you take the yoke, you receive the commission, I'll give you a compensation of eternal life. So there is the call. There is the commission. But there is a proper compensation. Will you come and continue coming to Jesus?